May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. As all of you know by now, I'll be retiring at the end of this week, and I've really been wrestling with what to say after 37 years of parish ministry. I feel a bit like Oli, who had retired after 50 years of dairy farming. Oli's good friend Sven gave him this great retirement gift. It was this big sign that he hung over the entrance to his milking parlor, and it said, everything I am, I owe to udders. <laughs> U-D-D-E-R-S, get it? So. <clears throat> Seriously, thank you for your kindness to me and to Anne for all these years and for your faithfulness. It has truly been a great privilege to be one of your pastors here at Zion. And I think our gospel text for today is a wonderful one to leave you with. This simple verse, in a nutshell, defines for us what it means to live out our faith each and every day. And the reality, excuse me, that verse is, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And the reality is that sometimes the cross makes us a bit uncomfortable, in fact, in one of the congregations that I served, there was a movement by a few folks to replace the cross, this beautiful cross that hung over the altar. They felt that the cross was too big, too bulky, and that it blocked the view of their beautiful new organ. And they felt that it was inconveniently placed and a bit too conspicuous. And in today's gospel, we see that Peter was not a fan of the cross, Jesus is concerned here that his disciples just don't quite get it. They are confused about his identity. And so Jesus asks them, who do you say that I am? What are people saying about me on the streets? And the disciples answered, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, others say you're one of the prophets. And he asks his disciples directly, but what about you? What about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter simply says, you are the Messiah. Now, Jesus must have had an inkling that Peter just didn't get it because he tells Peter, now don't tell anyone, but I am going to experience great suffering and rejection, and I'm going to die, and then I'll rise again on the third day. But Peter wasn't having it. He scolded Jesus, and he told him that he was wrong, and he said, this is nonsense, Lord. Peter didn't understand the way of the cross. Peter expected life to be easier for the Messiah and for his disciples. And how many of us sometimes fall into that same trap? Sometimes we think life should be just a little bit easier for Christ's followers. In fact, there are some television preachers who offer us a version of Christianity that focuses primarily on our own agenda. They offer us only gain without loss. They offer us victory with no cross. And yet in our gospel today, Jesus tells us that the cross is to be our way of life, that it should be front and center every day of our lives. If anyone become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The way of the cross is not always convenient 
Jesus, in this verse, is describing a way of life that can be demanding. First, Jesus says, deny yourself. In other words, put away self-centeredness and think about other people. There was a, a wonderful story in Guidepost magazine a while back. A man named Arthur Gordon visited a kindergarten class where the teacher frequently reminded misbehaving children to stop being a wham, W-A-M. The kids straightened out as soon as the teacher pointed out that they were being a wham. What was a wham? Why was being a wham so bad? And the teacher explained to Arthur that wham stands for what about me? She was training the children to be less self-centered. She wanted them to think of others, not just about themselves. And she taught them that no one likes to be a wham, a self-centered, or actually no one likes a wham, a self-centered person who only asks, what about me? But instead, this teacher was trying to teach the children to be a way, W-A-Y. Or as she explained it, people who ask, what about you? What about you? In calling us to deny ourselves, Jesus is inviting us to be people of the way, W-A-Y, and to ask frequently, what about you? To think not just of ourselves, but to think of others. And then Jesus says, take up your cross. And sometimes, you know, we say that something or someone is our cross to bear. It might be we're carrying a burden of some kind, such as a chronic illness or caring for a a difficult family member, and we say, well, it's my cross to bear, or he or she is my cross to bear. But Jesus had something else in mind here. He was not just thinking of accepting and living with the burdens that we bear, which are naturally part of all of our lives, but picking up the cross is something that you choose to do. You voluntarily choose to take it up. Taking up the cross of Christ is deliberate choice of something that could just as easily be avoided. Taking up the cross means making the choice to take up a burden and perhaps to follow a more difficult path because of the love of Christ that lives inside of us. A cross bearer might look like the teacher who goes above and beyond to help a child who is struggling, or like a health care provider who shows great compassion and kindness to a difficult patient. A cross-bearer might look like the Sunday school teacher or the choir member or the usher or the altar guild volunteer who show up faithfully week after week, year after year, to serve. Or a cross-bearer might look like a clerk in the grocery store or a business person who shows kindness and understanding and generosity to a customer who is struggling to pay their bill. Those who take up their cross always have at least one thing in common, and that is they are choosing to give of themselves to others. And the cross-shaped life involves one more thing. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and then he says, and follow me. The Greek word for to follow is an interesting word. It always involves a relationship of two people, like a a soldier following their commanding officer or a student following their teacher or an athlete listening to their coach. There was a, a Wisconsin family who lived on a dairy farm, and it was winter, and five inches of fresh snow had fallen overnight. 
And in the morning, the father and his seven-year-old son both put on snow boots. They headed out to the field where their cows had spent the night. The father led the way. He crossed the farmyard and headed for the meadow to lead the herd back to the barn to be milked. His little son walked directly behind the father. He was careful to place his feet inside the footprints that his father had just made in the snow. And after the two of them had crossed the yard and arrived at the meadow gate, there was only one set of footprints to be seen. And that is a great picture or image of what the Christian life is like. To follow Jesus is to follow his example. It means we align our footsteps or we try to align our footsteps to follow Jesus' direction and Jesus' way of life. And remember, Jesus' footsteps led him all the way to the cross. Now, to follow Jesus is not always easy. Sometimes it means loving the unlovable or forgiving those who are difficult to forgive or welcoming the stranger or the immigrant, accepting the outsider, those who are on the fringes of society that other people tend to look down on, and feeding the hungry and sheltering the homeless. For all those who live the cross-shaped life, it involves a cost. It means letting go of our own selfish interest and thinking of other people first. So why would anyone choose to follow Jesus if it means taking up the cross? I think of one of my favorite stories, and you know I have a lot of stories, and I shared this one with some of you early on in my ministry here at Zion. It was told by Tony Campolo. He tells the story of a man named Joe who was a person who had really struggled in his life with alcoholism. He had had a rough life, and he lived on the streets. And Joe was eventually converted at a rescue mission in the Bowery District. Prior to his conversion, he had the reputation of being a derelict for whom there was little hope. But following his recovery and his conversion to a new life with God, everything changed for Joe. He became one of the most caring people that anyone associated with the rescue mission had ever seen. Joe spent his days and nights when he was free, hanging out at the mission, doing whatever needed to be done. And there wasn't any task that was too lowly for Joe or that he considered beneath him. Whether it was cleaning up after someone who was violently ill or scrubbing toilets, Joe did it with a smile on his face and a sense of gratitude for the chance to help. Joe could be counted on to feed the broken men who wandered in off the streets of the mission or to tuck into bed men who were too out of it to take care of themselves. One evening, when the director of the mission was delivering his Sunday evening devotional message in the chapel to the usual group of sullen men with dropped heads, There was a man who all of a sudden looked up and he walked, got up out of his pew and he walked down the center aisle and knelt down in front of the little altar and he started to pray out loud. And he kept shouting, Oh God, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. Oh Lord, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. Finally, the director of the mission leaned over and whispered to him and he said, Sir, I I think it would be better if you prayed, Make me like Jesus. And the man looked up at him with a curious expression on his face, and he said, well, is he like, is Jesus like Joe? Joe 
chose to take up the cross. And this bread and this wine, Christ's body and blood, reminds us that the cross of the cross that Jesus was willing to carry for us. And his cross was big and bulky and inconvenient. And yet it is a beautiful thing because it reminds us that he chose us first and he keeps choosing us over and over and over again. And today Jesus asks you, he asks us, who do you say that I am? And he invites us to answer him by taking up his cross and choosing a different way of life. And it is in taking up his cross that we find life. As Jesus said, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. You see, in losing our lives for the sake of the gospel, so often we find our own lives. My prayer for each one of you and for the people of Zion is that you will live the cross-shaped life and that your cry, your prayer will always be, make me like Joe and make me like Jesus. Amen.